This year, um, we were recognized by Barron's Magazine as the most sustainable company, you know, within their you know large list of companies that they capture. We moved from number 21 last year to number one this year, and I think that's a, a true credit to our employees' commitment, our organizational um, drive against our strategy, and we're by far a long ways to go, you know, to where we want to be. Um, but we're we're committed and uh, we're transparent and uh, we're acting with conviction. From We First, welcome to Lead with We, the podcast where top business leaders and founders reveal how they built high growth and high impact companies by putting We First. Welcome to this episode of Lead with We, where I'm talking to Steve Rendell, the chairman, president, and CEO of VF Corporation, one of the largest footwear and apparel companies in the world that's over 120 years old. Steve, welcome to Lead with We. Thank you, Simon. It's great to be here. So, Steve, starting with the most important things, uh, you know, Huskies fan. How long have you been a Huskies fan? Simon, I've been a Huskies fan you know, pretty much my entire life. I, I was born and raised in a Cougar household. Um, but for some reason, I affiliated with the Purple and Gold from a very young age and uh, was able to spend my college careers on the Seattle campus. You know, living in Seattle, it gives you a taste of what it's like to live surrounded by nature. And I know you're a passionate climber and you have a, a deep kind of connection to the outdoors. This time of COVID, you know, what has that taught you about our connection to nature? Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct, Simon. I have a long, long history um, from very early in my life, spending time in the backcountry. Uh, grew up skiing, climbing, and you know so much of who I am today is formed by by that time. What's interesting today, and where we find ourselves in this COVID environment, is is as people are able to start moving out of their homes, um, they're moving to the outdoors. You know, they're going to their local parks, they're going to their local state or national park. You know, people are in the outdoors. It's that one place where you can go, uh, connect with nature, um, and and in that connection, you know, feel you know, like you have some freedom. I know, I know that personally, uh, we know that from our business. There's so much freedom, you know, in the outdoors to express yourself, to explore, but just that connection with mountains, with the mountain air, water does get you into a very different frame of mind. I think in this COVID environment, you know, people are looking for that ability to disconnect from the things you deal with day to day and being in the outdoors in the back country um, is a beautiful place to be able to do that. I've also been encouraged by the fact that, you know, once we got out of the way, in the waterways, on the highways, in the air, it seemed like Mother Nature came back with a force. Have you noticed that on your end? I actually find that good cause for optimism. Uh, I think that's a great cause for optimism. And yes, you know, we see it. And I think it's one of those great unexpected outcomes um, that we saw early on across the globe, um, just not here in our home country, the United States, but we saw it early on in our business and in our employees' activities in China, just the quick clearing of the air, you know, the, the pollution aspect that we deal with every day, pretty much moving away almost immediately. And for those who don't know about VF Corporation, because for a long time, you've been an enterprise behind many of the brands that are household names to everybody else. Tell us a little bit about VF Corporation, just to give us some context. Sure. Well, VF is a 121-year-old company. It was family-owned for many, many years. Started as a as a knitting mill for women's silk gloves. We've evolved over the years, um, but through that apparel, more or less continuum to where we are today. You know, VF is is a 
is an enterprise that's comprised of 12 brands today. And, uh, you know, those brands look at the outdoor environment. They look at the action or active based marketplace. And we do have a position within work and work lifestyle. You know, our portfolio of brands, you know, like Vans, the North Face, Timberland, Icebreaker, to name a few, are very much activity based lifestyle brands. And uh, we've evolved our portfolio over the years to be, you know, comprised of brands that can connect directly with consumers and, you know, through our own physical or virtual environments, while also partnering with key wholesalers. Um, But we leverage the skills and capabilities of our finance team, our operations platforms, our HR, and our digital and technology teams, and leverage that across our portfolio, enabling our brands to access greater capabilities, you know, through the scale of our large enterprise than they would normally be able to do um, in a standalone environment. Yet a corporation the size of VF is under so much pressure from investors, from the street. You know, you made this pivot to purpose in 2018. What motivated that? And could you tell us a little bit about the process? Because that's a huge decision with enormous consequence and even greater potential impact. So you're correct, Simon, we made this pivot in 2018, but the pivot actually began in 2016, um, where I was in the process of um, taking on the role of CEO January uh, 2017. But I was able to work that full year of 2016 with uh, my leadership team, as well as our board of directors on a new strategy, or really an evolution of our strategy to really position ourselves in what was a rapidly changing marketplace. The consumer was becoming much stronger in their um, expectations and in their shopping behaviors. And we saw quite a bit of change in our historical wholesale driven marketplace. And we made the decision to become more retail centric and to apply a more hyper digital approach to how we connect with consumers and managed our business. And as we listened to our employees and we listened to our consumers, it was very clear you know, that while consumers were changing their shopping behaviors, they were also changing their expectations of what brands and businesses would bring. Instead of just what are you providing me? Why do you exist? We've always been a very performance-driven value creation enterprise, but we saw the need and the opportunity to put purpose on par with our performance-driven mentality and really drive this idea of the power of and. And it wasn't one or the other, you know, but decisions needed to be made through this collective filter. It was very clear that this had to be part of our strategic set of choices. So companies of all sizes today face that similar decision, which is how much do they lean into purpose? How much do they let performance drive what they do? But you're saying that actually the two came together. It was an and situation. It wasn't an either or. Yes, that was actually the, the debate, you know, some might tell you that we would have, but we were really clear that it's, it's not an either or. It has to be an and. If we are going to be a purpose-led, performance-driven enterprise, then both of those filters need to be equally empowered and equally weighted. And it's a learning process, you know, Simon, for a 120-year-old company that's used to driving decisions for shareholders only. We needed to insert the stakeholder on par with our shareholder So where does that dialogue begin? Because as you say, you listen to employees, you're accountable, you know, to investors. When you make that decision in the confines of an executive leadership team or a senior leadership team, what do you do next to start rolling this out? We initially engaged with our employees and we spoke to 2,500 employees across the globe. 
wasn't just in a corporate office. You know, we touched our distribution centers. We touched our manufacturing facilities, retail stores, you know, product creation, marketers, finance. And we listened to what our employees felt was important. And we, we put together a, a purpose statement and we pressure tested that multiple times across the globe with this 2,500 you know, person cohort. And the idea here is that we would power movements of sustainable and active lifestyles for the betterment of people and the planet. And the best way to power a movement is to capture that collective energy of our, at that time, 70,000 employees and, and really drive forward against a very clear set of objectives. And within that sort of group or the different groups that you've mentioned, probably the most potentially resistant might be the investors. You know, you've got those who really support impact investing and sustainability, but there's a large group that really just want to look at dividends and return on investment and so on. How did you broach the topic with them? How did you win their buy-in? How did you garner their support? So it's interesting, Simon, you know, we initially wondered if the investment community would push back or, or find our commitment unimportant. What we found that consumers were expecting this type of commitment from the brands that they chose to interact with and how we brought that to life within our VF enterprise. We had evidence that we could make a decision that was performance driven, driving you know, shareholder value, while at the same time driving value for our consumers in the communities that we live and work in. It is a leap of faith, though, in some ways, because I think market drivers were headed in that direction, but it's a big commitment. And how do you make sure that purpose stays elevated in terms of priorities? I think, Simon, we, we practice it every day. You know, and, and I think our employees will never let us drop it because it's so important to them. It's what they expect, but it's also what our consumers expect. And as we began to shift the way that we spoke to our consumers and came to them not just selling product, but you know, really selling a vision and an idea and being much more empathetic. We shifted our marketing from being you know, really transactional driven um, to being 100% digital, connecting with consumers at home and, and really opening up and, and saying, look, we understand where you are. We're in the same place. And we began to offer fun things to do connected to each of our brand's purpose statements that this just created a more empathetic um, connection. And with that, gaining greater you know, sentiment, greater loyalty. And then what was interesting, as we all began to get comfortable with this new world we were living in, our e-commerce business began to trend at an exceptional rate. And we really do attribute that to, not to great products that we're selling, but that we had connected with our consumers in a very unique and personal way and through that connection, built a stronger loyalty. You know, it's it's such a powerful market driver now that when you invest your brand, your products, with the meaning that comes from bettering the future and, you know, serving the planet, they take on that badge value, which really makes people want them. So in the end, you achieve the result you want to build your bottom line so you can scale your impact. But let me ask you this. How does it all fit together? Because it's hard enough to do with one brand that's got a stated purpose and take that to market effectively. But you've got an enterprise with, you know, a dozen brands. How does that all fit together? So it's either not confusing or conflicting. Well, we, we have the, the larger VF enterprise purpose that I mentioned before about powering movements of sustainable and active lifestyles. And, and we act as an enterprise through that lens. 
and a great example of that is the as the racial protests began. We we went first with a people first approach, and the same was with our COVID reaction. It was people first, and how do we create an environment where we're being thoughtful and caring about our people's safety, our consumer safety, and and really acting with empathy. At the same time, each of our brands was able to activate their connection with their consumers and with their employees through their own individual purpose. And collectively, that's how we're powering a movement. And a great example would be Vans. And Vans, you know, purpose is about enabling creative self-expression. And through that creative self-expression, um, really advancing, you know, this notion of being free to be, you know, who we are as individuals. And one of the great things they did as the COVID crisis began is they launched this fun idea um, called the Shoebox Challenge. And it was, you know, it was this idea into their community of take your shoebox and, and create something, create a piece of art, create whatever you want, and then share it back with the Vans community by uploading this content into the web environment. And that went viral. And some of the great creations that were posted up connected this community. And Vans, through that, was, was enabling creative self-expression. But at the same time, they were creating a, a tighter bond with that, with that consumer group. That's so powerful because you're co-creating the impact. You're doubling down on your community by giving them a role to play, which really reinforces what a brand like Vans stands for. There's also the other side of the coin, which is, you know, in and around issues like racial inequality or social injustice, companies, especially large ones, are being held accountable internally as well. So it's not enough just to go out there and communicate the right things. You've got to look and say, are we complicit in some way, either through action or inaction? You know, what do we need to do? So how did you respond to the primacy given around diversity and inclusion, you know, at this time? So we responded, you know, first by, you know, really taking a pause and in, in circling the wagons around our employee base. To us, this was first and foremost an internal issue that we needed to be aware of. Giving our employees, you know, the opportunity to express their feelings, express the hurt and the historical, you know, issues that our people of color um, have brought with them, you know, over the years. We constructed multiple listening sessions. And um, in those listening sessions, I, I participated in every one of them. It was, it was so powerful, Simon, to, to hear our people and to know that they understood they had permission to share what was in their heart. And through that, those of us who don't walk in those shoes every day were able to really learn and understand you know, what our, our Black associates have dealt with all their life, what our Latino associates and Indigenous associates have dealt with all their lives. And and being able to try to understand that, though we'll never be able to put ourselves in their shoes, it was that understanding and that connection in the moment of understanding that all of our Black, Indigenous, and people of color employees knew that we were listening and that we were caring and that we were getting to act as a collective employee base to mobilize ideas, to begin to make a change first internally there's, you know, we've had a, we have a powerful inclusion and diversity, you know, approach, um, but we can be better. Uh, we can be a lot better. And uh, we've been able to articulate that. Um, but also together, we will begin to reach externally. And many of our brands have already begun. Um, but as an enterprise, we will have an impact externally, in addition to the work we do internally. 
It is such a powerful opportunity just to listen to your employees and to better understand each other. Just the fact that we all do meetings via Zoom these days and we get to see the backgrounds of everyone's lives and we get to know each other, let alone deep, you know, systemic issues like, you know, social injustice and so on. I mean, how has it changed your culture, this recent, you know, period of COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement? You know, in a lot of ways, it's been incredibly challenging, but it's also given you a chance to kind of really mobilize your purpose. How has it shown up inside the company? Yeah, I think as we all interact now in a very different way, Zoom has become the standard. And to your point, you know, we see each inside each other's lives. You know, we hear children crying. We hear, we hear dogs barking. Um, we see, you know, children walk by the camera or a spouse stop and say hi. For the first month, month and a half, and it, and it still happens, but a little bit less, every conversation started with, you know, how, how are you? Are, are you and your family safe? You know, is, is, everything, is everyone healthy? And, you know, that became the first thing you asked. And, you know, that creates a connection, you know, that was there before. You know, we have a very thoughtful, caring culture. Um, that's one of the unique ideas behind, you know, the larger VF enterprise. And, uh, you know, we're all working more in a much more difficult environment. And at the same time, we're becoming closer as an employee base. You know, that can only, you know, set you up for success in the long term, because we're still in the wings. We're, fa- we're facing issues like the climate crisis and, you know, extreme weather as a result of that. And as a sustainability leader, you know, you've got an opportunity not only to fix problems in a remedial sense after they happen, but to actually prevent them in the first place by working with your suppliers upstream so that you don't create the problems in the first place. What are you doing to help, you know, business at large really mitigate the risk through, you know, the climate crisis? It's being very upfront, very forthright with what our commitments are. We're one of the first public companies to hold ourselves accountable to science-based targets. And uh, through those targets, we've, we've set clear objectives around where we will be in reducing our carbon footprint. But we're also, uh, we're leading. And as we've stepped forward, other organizations have listened. And uh, I think this is another way of powering a movement is by you know acting with conviction, staying true to your strategy. And this year, um, we were recognized by Barron's Magazine as the most sustainable company, you know, within their you know large list of companies that they capture, we moved from number 21 last year to number one this year, and I think that's a, a true credit to our employees' commitment, our organizational um, drive against our strategy, and we're by far a long ways to go, you know, to where we want to be. Um, but we're we're committed and uh, we're transparent and uh, we're acting with conviction. You know, as a publicly traded company, it's rewarding to hear that it means a lot to employees, but at the same time, you're always on the hook for what's it doing for the business. And ultimately, you know, the more you grow the business, the more you can scale your impact, which is a great thing. What value has it, have you found it delivered to the business, the brands, the bottom line, you know, the stock price? Has it translated? It, it, it is translating, Simon. It's not immediate. It's not overnight. This is a journey. Um, but one, I think one of the emerging consumer trends that we see today coming through this COVID crisis is a, is a higher recognition by consumers, you know, that there is a need to combat climate change. Um, we see a strong move to the outdoors. You know, we're seeing a strong commitment to health and, health and wellness, but we're also seeing a very strong commitment coming forward around 
doing the right things to prevent climate change. That is where we are as an organization, and we can now message that with our consumers. We can speak about the things that we're doing. We can represent the changes to our products. We can represent the work that we're doing within our retail environments or across our organization as proof. You know, this type of purpose-led behavior is really allowing brands to lead movements, to shape culture, to better the future. And I think this is especially true of younger demographics like Gen Z. Are you seeing that in your own experience with your brands? And how are you preparing for the, the future consumer? Yeah, this is a great question, Simon. And this is, goes to our, to our strategy of becoming more consumer-minded how we act. And that consumer-minded aspect of our strategy, the consumer data file that we have and that we continue to build it's being able to pull the insights out of that information that we have on consumers and listening to what's important. And to this new younger consumer, it is extremely important. And they are measuring, you know, you know, where do the brands that they are interested in, where do they stand on these different social and environmental commitments? And they are choosing to interact with those brands based on what they're learning. One of the issues that begs always is who gets the credit? You know, quite rightly, every brand, when they invest real money and time into an effort, whatever it might be, sustainability or, you know, COVID response and so on, you know, they do want to get some recognition for that conscious choice. How do you balance getting credit between brands and also getting credit for the work you're doing individually at VF? Yeah, I guess in the end, Simon... Um, credit is, is certainly you know one thing that needs to be thought of, but that's not the top of mind for us. Um, we feel that if we truly act through a purpose-led, you know, performance-driven mindset, and we drive against the strategies that we've clearly documented for our enterprise and our brands have documented for themselves, um, it's that connection to our consumers and and providing them the proof points, you know, that we are acting um, in the manner that we've committed to. And that loyal connection that we're creating, you know, the benefits come by creating change and, and, and actually seeing those changes come to life in consumers' lives. And then the benefit for us is we drive revenue and earnings and uh, we, we deliver against our commitments to our shareholders. It's, it's really a virtuous cycle. Yes, it is. And, and sometimes it involves difficult choices. You know, I recently saw that um, the North Face was was boycotting Facebook advertising for a period of time. And, you know, these are not e easy decisions for any brand to make. And, you know, obviously North Face is part of the, the VF Corporation portfolio. How do you navigate those decisions? It, it can't be easy. Um, yeah, it's not. Um, I think it's how we work as a collective enterprise. It's how we connect, you know, with our brands. And um, in the case of the example you used here about North Face being you know, one of the first to step forward and, and withhold advertising dollars with Facebook. Um, you know, that came you know, from our enterprise work, but also our brand's work with our employees and knowing what was important to them, what was important to our consumers, is that we needed to take a stand. And you, know, you made an equally brave and responsible decision when it came to boycotting leather from Brazil when the Amazon was being burned. You know, this comes at a huge cost to the company and it resonates very deeply in the marketplace and it captures a lot of earned media, a lot of tension because you're really setting an example. How did you navigate that retooling of the supply chain and ultimately was it good for the business? You know, in the sense that you, it allowed you to double down on your purpose 
and take a stand that you felt was really important? You know, Simon, the, the, you know, the issue you bring up here, you know, really goes more centrally to our commitment to be a, you know, to run a responsible supply chain. And uh, in that responsible sourcing set of objectives is, is understanding the origin of all the materials that we, that we use to produce products. And when you make a commitment, you know, to act in a responsible way, you, you really have no choice. But when you, do, when you do the homework and you understand that aspects of your supply chain are not meeting your stated objectives, you must act or otherwise your commitment is really no longer valid. And when we looked at leather from Brazil, we had concerns about, you know, how it was being you know, produced and how the animals were being treated. And we weren't able to positively answer the questions against our expectations. You know, the decision becomes quite clear. If we're true to our conviction and true to our commitments, then we needed to make a change. And this is the power of our VF supply chain. As we, as we moved away from one aspect of our supply base, we were able to pivot and make up um, through our diversified supply chain and cover, you know, the needs that our, that our businesses had at that time. So the size of your supply chain can persuade suppliers to be more responsible, but also it can accommodate big decisions like this. One of the questions, though, that every company faces out there is what tone of voice do you strike when you're bringing your purpose to life? You can, at sort of one extreme, just positively reinforce your values. At the other extreme, you can be very strident and take issues head on. You know, whether you're a founder or the CEO of a global corporation, how do you work out what tone to strike? We have a lot of conviction around the commitments that we make, and uh, we spend a lot of time understanding, you know, the needs and the issues that need to be solved across our business. We form strategies that, uh, you know, help us act against those. And as we make those commitments, we begin to act with conviction. Steve, you're speaking to something really important now, which is, you know, this new definition of what leadership looks like, because we all find ourselves living on a very challenged planet. As someone who's responsible for, you know, a wide portfolio of brands, you know, a global enterprise, so many different associates around the world, how would you describe what leadership will look like moving forward? I think leadership in this world where we are today, Simon, um, and each, every one of us needs to look at ourselves and uh, understand how we bring our best selves to the, to the people that we work with, in this case, the people that you lead and the organization, you know, that we drive. You, know, you have to really be thinking through the lens of, uh, of empathy. You know, we need to have a deep understanding, not of just what we need, you know, but what are the communities that we live and work in? What do they need? What do the consumers need? You know, we touch not just consumers in the cities that we live in, but we touch people that you know, are part of our supply chain in far parts of this globe. And for us to be truly a purpose-led organization, you know, we need to think broadly. We need to think holistically, and we need to touch everybody who our brands connect with. These conditions, whether it's climate crisis, COVID-19, have really presented a challenge on a personal leadership level. I mean, literally, the CEOs of companies around the world are responsible for the economic health of a company as well as the physical health of their employees. Everyone's had time to reflect and, and been forced to reflect in some ways. What have you learned about leadership on a personal level in the, in the last four to five months since COVID began? I think to me, it's, it's really, it's a recognition of, of, yes, you know, senior leader needs to have a vision and a way of working and an expectation. 
um, but it's the people that you work with and, uh, and how you all come together to make collective decisions that drive our organization and the health and well-being of our people. To me, that's just an affirmation of something I knew, but um, an even more powerful understanding today is we've all had to come together uh, to really drive uh, what we call our now and next approach to fighting this pandemic. There's huge pressure, whether you're a solopreneur or the founder of a small company or the CEO of a large corporation, just to keep going during this time, to motivate your teams, to keep spirits up when there's you know a lot of cause for concern out there. What do you do for yourself? Do you spend time in nature? Like, How do you keep yourself going? Because that's a skill we all need equally as well. Great question. And I think for me, it's a couple things. Um, you know, right out of the box, March 16th, um, I began to stay home every day. Um, and I'm, I'm a person who's traveled his entire career. And I've probably seen my wife, Julie, more in the last four months than I've seen in the last four years. And, you know, it's, I draw a lot of energy from her and uh, being able to speak openly and, and talk about how I'm feeling, the issues that we're, you know, we're dealing with and, and be able to guy, you know, kind of gain insights from her is a big, you know, aspect of, of how I'm able to, to manage this. Um, but also, you know, I am driven to the outdoors and uh, being able to to get outside into the mountains. I spend a try as much time as I can on my bike. Um, that's where I'm able to really disconnect, really open my mind and free my mind from what needs to be dealt with. But I'm also able to solve a lot of problems um, in those in, in those environments as things become very clear uh, because you've lost all the clutter, you know, that sits inside your business every day. So it's it's really a combination of those people that you know I hold near and dear and uh, and love dearly, and uh, those activities and those environments um, where I'm able to gain solace from. Steve, I cannot thank you enough for your leadership. You know, in terms of VF Corporation and its brands, and also the courage that the enterprise has shown taking on you know many issues that are very very important in the last several years. And so thank you for joining us today on Lead with We, and we look forward to following VS leadership in the future. Uh, thank you very much, Simon. I really appreciate the opportunity to share our story. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lead with We, where I spoke to Steve Rendell, the chairman, president, and CEO of VF Corporation, who shared how a global enterprise pivots to purpose with a portfolio of leading brands and how to mobilize that portfolio and its employees around issues like COVID-19 and what the future of leadership looks like to the benefit of all stakeholders in our future. If you're inspired by what you heard today, here are three things you can do to become a purposeful company. First, shift your mindset from marketing to movement making so that everybody builds your business and its impact with you. Shift from advertising to advocacy for what you stand for. And finally, shift from calls to action to calls to activism so that you can build the impact you want to create together. You can subscribe to Lead With We on Apple, Google, or Spotify and recommend it to your friends and colleagues so they too can become a purposeful and profitable business. If you'd like to learn more about how you can build a purposeful brand, check out wefirstbranding.com where we have lots of free resources and case studies. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode of Lead With We.